So now we come to hear the word proclaimed. And it's not that you want to hear Chaplain Keith Good. If you walk away saying, wow, Chaplain Good did good, then, then you've completely missed the point. What I hope is that you will hear that God is good, that he's good at being God, and that he has called us to a glorious and incredible job, task, and calling of service. I gather in this particular pulpit, just as they did Old Testament Ezra, they built these platforms, they put the, the priests and the scribes up high so the people could hear. Before amplification and all that good stuff with PA systems, this was another way to get the word out. Another reason is because God's word should be high and lifted up. And we need to hear the Lord Jesus speak this morning. I come to you dressed in a robe um, because it's not about me. I'm hidden within the old teaching robes of the, the instructors and professors and doctors of theology long ago. So I'm coming here to teach, to speak, to proclaim. And like the prophets of old, I wear a stole, the mantle that Elijah and Elisha shared, that represented the power and authority of the prophet. And so I come to bring the exalted word of God to you. I come to teach you and help you understand his way, his word. And Lord willing, I come to you with the authority of the Holy Spirit that he will speak from my mouth to your heart so that you will not hear Keith Good, but that you will hear the very word of God. Let us pray. Lord God, help us as we hear your word. Lord, bless us as we seek to honor your name. Teach us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. I know y'all will find this hard to believe. Those of you who know me and have known me here the last couple of years, I am the very epitome of innocence and, and industriousness. And you would probably never believe that when I was a freshman, uh, I was in the cadet corps at Texas A&M, not this one. Would you believe as a fish, I got in trouble? And I got demerits. Now, at A&M, we didn't walk hours like we do here. You had to work off your demerits. You have to work off your gigs. And so I got sent out to the Parsons Mounted Cavalry uh, Detachment where I had to do my detail that weekend. And my detail was picking up a sheet of uh, sheet metal with somebody else on the other end and moving it. They needed it moved to the other end of the barn. It's about a 150-yard walk carrying this massive stack of sheet metal that they were going to use to re-roof and do all that good stuff. Would you be surprised to find out when I had to go back the next week, because I had several hours I had to work off, you know what they made us do? Move the sheet metal back. <laughs> and you have this young freshman looking at this upperclassman, Mr. Whoever, sir, permission to ask this question, sir. What, fish good? Sir, why are we moving it back? And he looked at me as like, have you never heard of punishment? It's like, but sir, what's the point? You and I are human beings who need a point. We need a purpose. We need some reason. And it can't be just so I can move it back. Because you know what was going to happen when the next group of cadets got in trouble and they showed up the next week? You know what they were going to do? They were going to move it to the other end again. 
who's traveled sheet metal at Texas A&M, I'm sure. You and I get frustrated when we don't know a point, when we don't have the purpose, when we don't have these anchor points that hold us in place. And this morning, as we begin our academic year, I want to remind those who worship with us, those who hear us, those who may catch us later down the online, the cadets who are gathered with us and are stuck here the next 47 months, or in your case, only eight. What are we here for? What is the point of being here? What are the anchor points that we can latch on to so that everything we do here, every program, every ministry, every Bible study, every time we gather to worship, when we go out to serve at the women's shelter or down at the food bank, when you are taking on your responsibility to live out a faith in Christ, what does that look like and what can you anchor your soul to? Those who know me here in this last year or so, I have an incredible appreciation for architecture of the Gothic Cathedral because these folks knew what they were doing. Everywhere you look, it is teaching you something about the gospel. As a matter of fact, we're going to continue what we started last year. There's still more to look at and to study and to, to learn from God's word as it has been placed in, carved in, created here in this building. And we're going to start with these. If you'll notice, one, two, three, four. If you look on the front of your order of worship, your bulletin this morning, it's your task to figure out which picture, which pillar that is. Good job, John. I'm proud of you. That one right there. You and I need four pillars to stand strong. You and I, if we're sitting on a chair and it's supposed to have four legs and it's only got three, that is not a good thing. You and I need to understand that as we gather as the people of God, you and I are called to do these four things. These are the four points upon which we will base our ministry, our worship, our study. Number one, you're going to notice these all start with P, okay, just to help you out. Number one is the primacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not come here and die. He did not sacrifice himself on our behalf just to make us happy, just to make my life easier. He didn't come to make my life better. He came to raise me from the dead. He came to forgive my sin and give me a new life. And so he is the prime one of creation. Did you hear the New Testament reading? Because he was obedient even to death, he has been given the name that is above every name. And it's not the idea that he's in first place. The picture that's trying to be painted there is he is in every place. There is no place where he is not prime. There is no place in this creation where he is not the number one. And so when you and I are looking around going, does he care? What is the point? When we start putting him in first place, when, him, when he gets to take every place, suddenly things start making sense and we have a pillar upon which we can start building a true life. 
Because we start realizing that, oh my goodness, he has fulfilled all things. He has created all things. It is all going back to him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Creation is groaning and waiting for him to come back. You and I are not going to make it cooler or hotter by anything. Because you and I are not the creators. There is one who has made it, and he will have his place. And that place is everywhere. Church, look to your life. Where is he? If he is not everywhere, then he's nowhere. He wants to be everywhere, not just on Sunday morning. I've, wait, chaplain, I've, I got dressed. Come on, I came up. Can he leave me alone the rest of the week? No, 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 no. He is going to walk down with you back to central area. He is going to be sitting there in that first class. Plebes, if you can find it, he'll be with you while you find it. He will be there when you are in trouble. He will be there when you are sitting in front of that screen and you're tempted. He will be there, parents, as you are struggling to understand how do I deal with this child. He will be there as we struggle as a nation, trying to figure out what right looks like, which, by the way, we're never going to get if we don't look to Jesus. Because he is the prime. He is everything, everywhere. And so everything we do, everything we pray, everything we preach here had better be about Jesus. Well, how are we going to do that? Take another pillar there. We're going to prioritize Scripture. Prioritize Scripture. Second Timothy says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man or the woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every single good work. What other text do we have? What other book has been given that, that it is not just thrown down at us, but it has the very breath of God? Do you ever blow up a balloon? That it takes on the shape of your breath? That's, that's this book. It, 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 it's filled out by the very breath of God. And if it is good for teaching me what I need to know, what I don't know, how to get me back on the right track because I wouldn't do what I was supposed to do, and then train me over and over and over again to get it right for righteousness sake so that I am perfectly equipped. I've got everything I need to live life. Why in the world wouldn't I spend time and prioritize that? It's a challenge this week. Go ahead and turn on your screen time evaluator. And by the time next Sunday gets here, look at it. Where did you spend the most time? Instagram, Snapchat, Yodel? or your Bible app. It's a challenge, church, and it's a hard one because we are easily distracted. It's hard work to read and to engage. It's even harder when it starts reflecting and you start feeling bad and you start being convicted because you're not being obedient. But we've got to prioritize scripture. And so there's the challenge. It will be a scripture-based and scripture-focused worship here. OCF, Navigators, all our FCA, all the, the different helping and discipling and Bible study groups across our campus. We're all going to be focused on the Word, teaching you and training you and encouraging you to study it, know it, live it. And if that group's not doing it, find another group that is. 
because you've got to have that pillar in place. Number three, we're going to pursue the truth. We are going to pursue the truth in this world that is convinced that I can make up my own truth. I can make up my own reality. And I can deny every single cell in my body and say I'm something I'm not. Good luck. And I don't say that flippantly to insult those who are struggling. I'm saying that in the view of an almighty God who has made us as we are who's created us with just what we need. And I can wish he gave me more hair and less weight, but he didn't do that. He made me as I am, and I am going to give thanks to him because that is the truth. That is the reality of our life. We are who we are created to be, and my task is to take that creation and to use it for his glory. And so as I get to know the Word, as I get to know Jesus, I get to know what truth is, what reality looks like. And then I'm not embarrassed and I'm not tossed to and fro and I, I don't have to watch something and go, uh, uh, yeah, sure, I guess that makes sense. No, 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 no. It doesn't make sense. Death is not life. Boys are not girls. Good is not bad. You and I, if we're going to follow Christ, you and I are going to be challenged to pursue truth. And the picture that is given here in John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, you're really to my disciples, and you then will know the truth. You'll know reality, and that truth will set you free. You need to hold on, and it's not just a passive clinging to, like some of y'all were doing you know, on the, the cable out at uh, Buckner this summer. Doing your, you know, what is it? I'm sure all of y'all did at least like 12, 15 pull-ups. No, no, no. It is me holding on for dear life. Oh, dear God, don't let me fall off this thing. But it's not passive holding. It's an active. It is a, I have latched on and I am going after that. It is the cornerback who's going after that wide receiver. It is the mother who says, oh, that two-year-old is not going in the street and runs. It is the upperclassman who just saw a plebe who didn't take corners. It is that kind of focus, that kind of zeal. Hold on to this word. Hold on to this truth. Because there's where freedom lies. If we want to be free, if we want to get out from under all this insanity, you and I need to get back to the truth. Where do we find the truth? In the Word. And what's the Word going to teach us? And who is it going to introduce us to? Jesus. And then we get to the last one. The last pillar is then we are going to then practice that wisdom. We're going to practice that wisdom that comes from the truth revealed in His Word that tells us all about Jesus Christ. You and I are going to practice. Who's wise? Who's understanding? James 3. Let that individual show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? It says it earlier in the book. Chapter 1. It comes from God who, who gives, pours it out. You will not pray, Lord, I need wisdom to know how to navigate this. I don't know. I, I am already so far behind and we haven't even started classes yet. Lord, help. 
and he gives and he gives and he gives. Because this wisdom from heaven is pure, verse 17, it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial. It is sincere. It is a focus on what heaven gives us. We can pray the cadet prayer all we want, but praying it will not make us better cadets, better officers, better leaders for our nation. But if I get to know Jesus Christ, his person, and then his work in my life, when I get to know the Spirit as it leads me into the very presence of the Heavenly Father, as I spend time in His Word and it shapes me and molds me and changes me, as I see that truth that it reveals and I start looking at my world around me going, well, there's a lot of not truth here. And then I got to go start practicing the truth based on His Word that shows the world who? Me? No. Jesus. See, if we abide in Him, if his word abides in us, if we stay there attached to the vine, we produce fruit. Cadets, man, y'all, y'all, ask the firsties there, please. You can get tired real fast here. Because there's too much to do and not enough time to do it in. You need Jesus. You need his word. You need that truth. Because there is where the wisdom will come, how to do it right. You'll never produce it on your own. You'll never be good enough on your own. You'll never try and somehow get to the point where God goes, wow, I am so impressed. I mean, you may make it and become first captain four years from now, class of 25, and you may impress the Corps of Cadets, but you'll never impress the Heavenly Father. We can't do it. So how do we practice wisdom? We run to Jesus. We go back to the first pillar. Jesus, I, I can't. I don't, I don't have anything. I don't, I don't care enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. Lord, I hate. I am bitter. I am upset. Lord, I don't know how. And his word opens up to us and teaches us about comfort and forgiveness, teaches us about a, a resilience that only the spirit can give, about a truth that will change us and make us alive in a way this world will never know. And when we get that, we, we, we go start living it. And now we are set. We've got the four points. We've got the four pillars. And we can build it up. And we can put this huge bell tower up above it. And we can put 14,000 pounds worth of bells up there that ring out the glory of God. You have a point for your life, and you know Jesus, his word, his truth, and you go live it day in and day out. You have got a tower to sing to the world, to witness to the world who you are and what you believe. That is our task. This chapel just helps remind us of it as we gather. But this chapel's not going to sing. The stones are still silent because he's still looking to you and I, people of God. He is still praying and asking, will you go out and live out this wisdom that shows mercy, that shows a humility, that shows a gentleness, that shows a willingness to serve, that shows a mercy to this world that hurts, that shows a blessing to this world unblessed. Because you've got a strong foundation. You, you've got the point. 
You've got the anchors. You've got the pillars to hold you up. And as Jesus works through you, you begin to touch others too. It is our task here, faculty and staff, look around at our new family that just joined us. They're easy to spot. They're all in white over gray. Draw them into your family. We'd like to have a potluck again next week. That's a lot of new families to feed. But we want you to come join us, cadets. We have had a great summer getting to know each other, and we're looking forward to getting to know you. Because this is the point. Jesus is real. His word is alive. The truth does not change. But that wisdom has to be lived out in you and I. And our desire then is to live out that mercy and that humility and that good fruit amongst you so that you can go back down to your company, your class, and you can live it out too. And others will begin to be drawn to this Jesus who makes all the difference. So we look forward to blessing. Blessing's a big deal because not a lot of us have been blessed. If you need a blessing, let me know, would you? I'll just, I'm going to stand over the baptistry side. Somebody who just wants to be blessed this morning, I would be delighted to speak God's word over you, who this Jesus is, because that is part of the mercy, that is part of the wisdom, that is part of our task, so that we can go bless others. After all, that's the point. Let's pray. Lord God, we bow before you and we are thankful that you really do have a point to it all. And it's not about us. Lord Jesus, use us to proclaim Jesus everywhere. To spend time in his word always. To understand and run hard after the truth no matter how much it goes against what we know and what we think it should be. Lord, help us to know what is. And then Lord, let us live in a mercy and in a blessing and with a wisdom that is so pure, so glorious, so attractive to this world they too will come to the light and know Jesus. Lord, hear our prayer this morning. Amen.